So let us hear the word of God from the 11th chapter of Acts, which um, is a passage where uh, Peter has been called back to Jerusalem. He's been out in various parts of uh, Israel traveling, and he's been called back to Jerusalem to uh, meet with the council of the early church and the leaders there in Jerusalem. Now the apostles and the believers who were in Jerusalem heard that the Gentiles had also accepted the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him, saying, Why did you go to uncircumcised men and eat with them? Then Peter began to explain it to them step by step, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. There was something like a large sheet coming down from heaven, being lowered by its four corners, and it came close to me. As I looked at it closely, I saw four-footed animals, beasts of prey, reptiles, and birds of the air. I also heard a voice saying to me, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. But I replied, By no means, Lord, for nothing profane or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But a second time the voice answered from heaven, What God has made clean, you must not call profane. This happened three times. Then everything was pulled up again to heaven. At that very moment, three men sent to me from Caesarea arrived at the house where I was. And the Spirit told me to go with them and not to make any distinction between them and us. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered a man's house. He told us how he had seen an angel standing in his house and saying, Send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will give you a message, message by which you and your entire household will be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them, just as it had upon us at the beginning, reference to Pentecost. And I remembered the words of the Lord, how he had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave them the same gift that he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could hinder God? And when the council heard this, they were silenced. And they praised God, saying, then God has given even to the Gentiles the repentance that leads to life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This story in Acts <clears throat> begins with Peter reporting to the church leaders in Jerusalem, the council, if you will, the governing body. It sounds as if he's being called on the carpet for breaking the rules. He had been eating with the uncircumcised. You may remember that a similar charge had been leveled against Jesus for eating with sinners. So Peter was in good company 
But that did not make this confrontation with the Jerusalem leaders any easier. Have you ever been in a meeting when you could feel the tension in the air? Have you ever been? Oh, no, you would never have been in a church meeting when you could feel the tension in the air. <laughs> Usually those meetings center around various kinds of issues, but they usually boil down to who is in and who is out. And in the present case, here with Peter, the tension was between those drawing a narrow circle of inclusion around the gospel and others who were busy expanding that circle until all God's children had a place at the table. Would the Gentiles have a place? That was the question hanging in the balance along with the integrity and expansion of the early church. Fortunately, God had a witness. Peter was the pivotal figure, the rock, whose confession changed the dynamics of Jesus' relationship with his followers and opened the door to discipleship. Remember the promise that the risen Lord had made to his disciples in the very first chapter of Acts, that they would receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And the fulfillment of this promise is nowhere more evident than in the boldness of Peter's testimony to the council in Jerusalem. God empowered Peter, an ordinary fisherman, to play a significant role in the mission of the church. Actually, God enables ordinary people to be witnesses to the gospel quite frequently. It can be frightening because it voids our excuses that we are not gifted enough, not old enough, not good enough, not a Christian long enough to do the job. But God has always had the audacity to choose ordinary people to do extraordinary things in the service of God's reign. Hopefully, that realization can give us hope and strength to be witnesses as well. But back to Peter. Peter gave testimony to the church leaders about the vision he received while praying on the rooftop. Down came the blanket with those creepy, crawly snakes and vultures and other weird animals on it. In fact, the heavenly blanket came down three times. And each time the blanket descended with the instructions to eat, Peter said, <laughs> no, not me. Peter's response to God's picnic invitation was not mere squeamishness. <clears throat> Peter found the menu repulsing. None of those animals was acceptable food. Peter's no welled up from deep within him. An observant Jew, Peter had spent a lifetime trying to remain ritually clean. His no to the heavenly invitation was the visceral, reflexive result of years of religious conditioning that there were certain foods you simply did not eat. But the blanket from heaven carried with it the promise of God's unimaginable generosity for all humankind. 
God's blanket was blotting out a boundary between Jew and Gentile, a boundary that God found unnecessary. What God had made clean was clean indeed, but the thought of crossing that boundary and being among the unclean was repulsive to Peter. Tradition and laws around ritual cleanliness made table fellowship with Gentiles a strict taboo. For, For Peter, the Gentiles were as unclean as the weird cuisine in the dream. Peter refused God's invitation to get up and eat three times. And when Peter... When we hear the story in Acts 10 of this actually being Peter's encounter, he awoke pondering the meaning of the dream, but remained frozen behind an invisible fence buried deep within the precognitive part of his brain. He moved across that invisible boundary only after his encounter with particular people. So he tells the council that after this dream, three men from Caesarea arrived at the house in Joppa. And Peter was instructed by the Spirit to go with them and not distinguish between them and us. And when he arrived at Cornelius' house, he shared God's word with them. And the Spirit led these Gentiles into salvation. Peter concluded that God had given them the same gift that God had given to the Jewish believers, the gift of the Spirit, the gift of insight, the gift of conviction in following Christ. So Peter turns to the council and raised this profound question. Who was I? that I could hinder God. Think about the astonishing insight contained in that question. If God so loved the world that Jesus came not to condemn the whole world, but to save it, who are we to try to limit the mission of God to redeem all humanity? Every time we exclude someone from full participation in the redemptive efforts of God, Peter's question should trouble us. It should trouble the entire church. What if the church had closed the door to the Gentiles and Christianity had remained a sect within Judaism? Paul was persuaded that God, the creator, did not intend to exclude anyone from the community of God's care. And Paul's conclusion was revolutionary. The council heard him, and they rejoiced that God was now extending God's love and salvation to the Gentiles. Those of us in the church often use the word discernment. As a matter of fact, I've recently been delving into the book of order again. You may think that's odd for a retired pastor, but 
Some of us polity geeks are like that. And I've been reminded that the Book of Order has a, uh, has a whole section which states that uh, discernment precedes decision-making. Discernment is part of our governmental process as Presbyterians. Peter discerned the connection between his vision and the three visitors who asked him to travel to Caesarea with him. This story makes clear that the gift of discernment is the work of God's Spirit. And if there is hope for the church in these days when there is so much dissension and division in faith communities and even more dissension and division within society in general, then, friends, we must pray to have visions that bring us together to discern and to engage in discernment. Pray for that gift. We need to be open to the work of God's healing and reconciling spirit to discern how we are to act and move and live together. Jesus calls us to cross invisible fences that wall us off from those in other political parties, those in other denominations, those in other faith traditions, those other ethnicities, other socioeconomic classes, other races, other sexual preferences. <laughs> Jesus even calls us to cross invisible fences that separate us from those who have hurt us or whom we have hurt. Jesus calls us to cross all of these invisible fences so that we may see and love others as graciously and bountifully as God sees and loves them. More amazing than Peter's vision and discernment was how the leaders in Jerusalem responded. They listened. They were open to the new reality Peter envisioned. <laughs> you know, they, they could have said, you are out of your mind. This is just totally wrong. Instead, they were open to the Holy Spirit who gave them the ability to listen and to change. So as we go about our business in the church, friends, the world is watching. Do we have anything to offer that differs from the other groups characterized by decision and division? Can we listen to each other and seek to discover where God's Spirit is leading us? Will we witness to God's love and grace for all people? Are we willing 
to broaden the table so everyone has a place. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.